Welcome to Living Fullness, a podcast where two unusual friends explore all things friendships, relationships, and the Christian life. My name is Stina Constantine. And I'm Father Sean Burns. And each month, we bring you a guest, someone who will share their experience and strengths with us, helping us to learn, grow, and live life to the full. Welcome back, everybody, to the Living Fullness Podcast. Uh, today, as always, once a month, we're bringing you a guest interview, and today we have reached across the other side of the world uh, to bring a guest to you who's going to talk to us about the transcendental property of beauty. So, uh, Stina, would you introduce our guest? Yes, I would love to. So, we have Kate Capato here with us today. Kate's a Catholic contemporary sacred art painter and she's a speaker rooted in the tradition of the faith. She creates uh, oil paintings um, inspired through prayer and through the truths of beauty and faith. Um, and she's greatly been influenced by the Renaissance masters, particularly since she um, studied there for a bit of time as well. She's a missionary of divine beauty and her and her husband, Paul, travel across the US facilitating moments of encountering truth and the divine through beauty. So Kate Capato, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the Living Fullness Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to chat with you from across the world. I love that we're able to do this in this day and age. What a gift. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yes, absolutely. Just to kick off, uh, Kate, can you briefly tell us a little bit about yourself like what what does a day in the life of Kate look like oh wow that's a great question I would say that no day is really the same with the, what I do uh you know so some days are filled with painting for hours on end um uh it could be you know nine to five in that regard other days we're traveling my husband and I as Tina mentioned and we could be road tripping we'll rent cargo vans I'll bring some of my original artworks five foot um some of them are very large so we are renting these vehicles and we'll road trip across the states and speak uh to churches sometimes schools different communities about who God is and we use it um the umbrella of beauty if you will to um to introduce the truths of our faith and kind of open the barriers that might exist because beauty has that effect on people. So, so yeah, so some days we're just traveling around. Um, and it's, I like to say, as Tina mentioned, missionary of beauty, because I really feel as though it is like a mission life. And even before I officially um, went full time as a sacred art painter, I was doing mission work with another organization, the Culture Project. You might be familiar. Wow. Um, they're Big based fans. here in the States, but there is also one in, in, in Australia there. And they speak to students about human dignity and sexual integrity. Um, so I was with them and traveled around and spoke. And But my life as a missionary was is very similar now, the way I live now to the way I lived then. And we fundraise. Um, and just kind of every week, you you didn't really know what to expect. I mean, there's some order in um, our prayer life. My husband and I try to go to the chapel uh, daily for adoration and really listen to the Lord. We've learned that is so necessary to what we do, that there are there is a lot of spiritual battle. Um, anytime we say yes to the Lord and try to share uh, his truths, his beauty, his goodness, the evil one's going to be mad. And um 
you know, coding ourselves in grace is key. So that is something that's consistent that we do mostly daily hit up adoration, sometimes daily mass if we're able, uh, or rosary, all those types of ways of combating any attacks. And But also to make sure that our focus, no matter whether we're traveling or in the studio or sometimes packing prints for shipping out for orders, those types of things, that it's coded in prayer and that the main goal is always Christ and that we're oriented in that direction in encountering him. Like our journey is also to encounter him and then to share that encounter with others. So um, yeah, it's definitely a, um, a roller coaster in the, in the best of ways of excitement and ups and downs and just relying upon him and his providence throughout the journey. <laughs> Which is such a beautiful way to be. Yeah. Like it's such a beautiful disposition to beautiful. have towards your everyday yeah. to pre be prepared in that, in that way. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's so cool. Your way of A, ensuring that your gaze is committed to Christ and also your way of protecting yourself against any assault of the evil one is, is fundamentally adoration and mass. Uh, mm -hmm. like you, you, you turn towards the sacraments. Uh, that is, I think that's what every single Christian is meant to do is to turn mm -hmm. towards Christ and the sacraments. That's where it's at. That's where our protection and our guide is at. Uh, that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, really beautiful. Yeah. So I suppose from here, maybe if we can dive a bit, bit into beauty, like, you know, how would you, how would you define beauty? What would you say beauty is, or how would we know what beauty is? And then also linking that to God, you know, how does beauty actually reveal, you know, who God is and sort of anything in that space? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's a lot of theories, if you will, out yeah. there in terms of what beauty is. And it can be, it can kind of be a sensitive topic because as humans, we, um, we have beauty within us. Um, essentially what I would say, God is beauty. And, and I've in studying people like Diedrich von Hildebrand, um, he's a philosopher that he wrote about many beautiful things, but he has a whole book on aesthetics. And I, I personally enjoy his take on it. Some people don't, it, it's a little, uh, it gets very intricate as to this, why this is beautiful and why this isn't. And some people get upset about that. I, I think it does a, a really good job at helping us see that we can know that there is an objective value to beauty. So a lot of times people will say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Well, I don't agree with that at all. Neither does Diedrich. Um, and it's, and, and one of the key things that we can argue as uh, a people of faith is that if God is beauty, we know that he's an objective value, right? God isn't a subjective experience. Um, you know, we can't, Contrary to uh, current experience where culture is saying your, your truth versus my truth, your God versus my God, and we can kind of mold him to whatever we want him to be. That, that's not true. We know in the, our Catholic faith that there is, God is objective and we are just discovering aspects of him as we grow in our faith. Um, and if God is beauty, then that would have to transfer over to beauty as well. So there's objective value to beauty. And yes, we have subjective experiences with it. So the way that I personally experience something may be different than both of you or whoever's listening. And 
yes, that is very much a part of it, um, but that does not change the value of what is beautiful. And an example I like to give is, um, and, and Diedrich actually kind of speaks about this, like if there is a flower growing in the middle of nowhere that no one, no human has discovered yet, and it's, it's beautiful, um, just because we have not laid our eyes upon it doesn't change the value that it, 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 it exists and it has beauty. Um, and honestly, it, it exists for the glory of God. And some of those things yeah. are even more beautiful than if it were seen by everybody, right? So th that's what I like to start out as because there is a, a confusion that, again, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But I, I like to to argue that and, and say that, no, um, while we have a subjective experience to it, there's a, an objective value. And if we recognize that, we can learn many things from beauty about God, about ourselves, um, and, and by looking at nature and some aspects, um, there are, Diedrich goes into like varying um, levels, he likes to call it, which is a, a theory to think on of, uh, like he has metaphysical beauty, which is the spiritual realm as the highest. And I think we can all agree, like when you encounter the spiritual realm and like in heaven, it's going to be the fullness of that. Right. That's like, that's the goal. That's the ache. And then um, there's other forms of beauty. There's audible, there's visible, there's different aspects that give us taste of that. Um, but there aren't the fullness of it yet. So um, experiencing the different levels is something to think about too. Um, and Another aspect to, I, I love, Dietrich literally says the beauty, on, beauty here in, in this life, in this world, brings us before the face of God. And I just love sitting with that and praying with that. Because anytime we encounter something beautiful here, whether it's a sunset, a, a flower, the birth of a child, artwork, whatever it might be, it is bringing us in some way before the face of God. So then we can ask ourselves, what about this before me, um, what about it is speaking of God? How can I uh, pray with that more? How can I understand that more? Um, and another thing to think on is beauty in this life. And a friend of mine said this, and I, I have kept it in my heart because I think it's really powerful. And uh, beauty opens the ache that we all have in our heart. It kind of forces us to look at it, if you will. And it's so good. And I think that's why sometimes individuals are afraid of real beauty. Okay. We have so much, there's so many counterfeits out there. Um, for instance, like the biggest one, at least I personally see like pornography, huge counterfeit to authentic beauty. And many people go to this, um, the evil one tricks us. And we, we go to this thinking we're going to be satisfied, but it, it's a, it's almost a safer route, in my opinion, because experiencing authentic beauty, it opens that ache towards Christ even further. And that can be hard because, you know, that's, that's when we see God and ourselves and how much we need him. And there's vulnerability involved. Vulnerability is really difficult. And the counterfeits don't ask for vulnerability. They just ask, you know, for us to be selfish, to get, 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 where authentic beauty um, pulls us out of ourselves and uh, we become more selfless and because we're becoming who God created us to be. The more we encounter authentic beauty, we're, um, yeah, being our best version, like more and more, the more we say yes to that. And um, 
particularly the more that we sit and, and are still with beauty and let it transform us. That has a powerful effect, but it's painful at times. So this is a long-winded answer to your no, question. No, I love no, this. No, no, it's a really I love this. You, you mentioned ache very early on and my brain immediately started going ache. Like that's such a, that's such an, um, it's almost like a contrasting way of viewing beauty because you wouldn't autom automatically think beauty somehow reveals an ache or brings forward an ache. Like you, you just wouldn't put those, ordinarily wouldn't put those two things together. But that is just, yeah, <laughs> mind blown. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the ache, I mean, we can all think of, you know, everyone can think of a moment they had. We have these regularly, almost daily, if we're paying attention, encounters with beauty. Um, and, you know, I always describe it as, oh, I want more of this. Or, you know, I wish this wouldn't end or almost this sense of, I want to be a part of this beauty. Like right. I want to be, you know, a part of this sunset somehow. Like, so there's like a, a desire for more. So when I say ache, it's like, oh, I want more, but like, I can't have it yet. Why? <laughs> so that is the ache. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, the counterfeit you were describing before, um, if I were to try and summarize what you just said, it's that the counterfeit eliminates the risk. Uh, I, th I think that's what you mean by a safer option, uh, is that it eliminates uh, any risk that I have to open my heart. Yes. Uh, there's, there's, in any love, there's an intrinsic risk because there is, there is vulnerability. It removes that vulnerability. It removes that risk. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we can see that very clearly in things like pornography. And that's just one example, but it, it brings it um, all about ourselves. we become inward, become more selfish. How can I be satisfied? And, and there's other types of counterfeits that do this where, and that it's, it's, it, I say safe because yeah, it doesn't require um, virtue. It doesn't require courage. It doesn't require, um, yeah, coming out of ourselves. Vulnerability is a keyword that I, I like to keep mentioning because that's what is required required for intimacy. That's what we, we long for. We long to be able to see someone and to be seen. So ultimately, our desire is to have that with the Lord. Um, but these counterfeits of beauty are, are hijacking, you know, us from receiving that. Authentic beauty invites us into it. And, and ask this, will you come? Will you experience this vulnerability with the Lord? Yeah, yeah. May I ask a follow-up question to that? Mm-hmm. What is the importance of God to, the, to our expression of art? Because it, it seems, when I look here in, in, in Australia, and it may well be the same in, in, um, in the States, uh, when I look at what goes for art just at the moment, um, uh, it's uh, pretty ordinary. Um, yeah, I, I, I see some art that I reckon I could do. And if you ask my art teacher, my skills were pretty limited. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, like, like there's, there's uh, you know, I, I, I saw a pear nailed to a piece of wood and that was presented as art. I mean, I could have yeah. done that. Uh, you know, so, so what's... What's the importance of God for our expression, our, our artistic expression, if you like? Sure. Well, so I think it's helpful for us to look at art in a sense of 
I believe that art should be married to beauty in, in, in the regards of us artists should be expressing beauty, which again is the Lord. Uh, art, in historically speaking, you can see that it's more so has become an expression of humanity in our current state. So seeing what you're saying, Father, and um, we can see in different eras, we know a lot about where we are as a culture. Um, boring, ugly, trying so hard to just be different. And it's a absence of God. It's an, a rejection of God. It's a fear of God. And so art now, like if you go to a typical art school, their goal is to teach you how to uh, reject the rules and to just be different. And that's really vague. And honestly, it's um, safe, in my opinion. It's a fear of rules, so a fear of order. So beauty, beauty needs both wonder and order. Both have to be together. You know, when you just do wonder, it can become, you know, all like hype about too, what's the word? Like too sweet, too kitsch. It's like a sense of uh, overload that's missing something. And then the opposite is true too. If you have too much order, it's very stoic and um, it also is missing something, but both together gives us beauty, order and wonder. Um, I love John uh, Mark Miravalle wrote a book about beauty. Um, the title is, is I'm blanking on right now. Um, but he speaks about how the Trinity shows us that very same thing of wonder and order together. And they're constantly um, discovering newness in each other. And there's an order there, but there's a wonder there. And they're circling in and in and in and deeper and deeper and falling more in love. And um, but there's an, again, there's order and wonder together. Uh, our culture is so afraid of rules and, and God that we, we reject all of that. Um, so you'll see a lot of art schools not teaching rules of art, like how to create form, how to see light and shadow, all those things that help you create a beautiful masterpiece. Um, yes, if that was, if an artist is just just about technique and never does newness, never expresses something original, um, that aspect of wonder, there's it's boring. So I, it has to go hand in hand. So I think what you're expressing is it shows us the state of our culture, the rejection of God, um, the fear of him, all of that. And it's chaos. We're in chaos, really, morally speaking, in our world. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I guess the follow-up question is regarding where you think or what you think beauty actually reveals about man. And I know part of the work that you do in your speaking engagements is to relate beauty to theology of the body. So I'd love for you to be able to share what you see the connection there being. Um, yeah, and then we can go from there. Well, again, going back to the aspect that beauty ultimately is the Lord and what we discover in this life, in this world, are just pieces of him, um, a window towards him, if you will. And beauty reveals ourselves like because it's God again. So um, when it's authentic beauty, we become to learn more about who we are as man and woman. And honestly, we can see, I love talking about this in the sense of theology of the body, 
all of nature, all of um, colors, all of uh, composition, even auditory, it speaks about something very key. It speaks about communion. So we see, uh, you can look at like um, the sea, for instance, we're, we're drawn particularly to aspects of nature, but there's something, so there's the sea. And if you go to the sea and you see where it hits rock, like it comes up and hits the rocks, right? There's a, a collide of the sea with the rocks. There's something about that um, encounter with each other that we're intrigued by. The, the sea expresses very feminine qualities and rocks actually express very masculine qualities. Um, but the meaning of the two is what draws us in. There's something there. That's one example. We can see it, you know, in nature and animals. We can see it um, complementary colors. Uh, they work well together. If a, if a painting is working well together, um, there is a wholeness to it. You, you're drawn in with the lights and the darks and um, they're not fighting. Um, it's a draw to want to be a part of it as well. Musically speaking too, like if it all, all of it is complementary, if you will. And this speaks about masculine and feminine, which again comes back to who we are as man and woman, why the Lord created us differently, but that we work together. It's all speaking about this desire for communion. And it's written also on our very bodies. Um, when I give uh, presentations, so I'll, I'll share a visual of Da Vinci's, um, yes. uh, his, the man, uh, what is the title? Now I'm blanking on that too, where Creation. he stretches out his arms to the circle and the square shape. We Often you see that in, um, most people oh, are going sorry, to be familiar yeah. with it. And it's um, originally created to share like measurements and proportions. Mm. Um, but if you, so in art you have, a lot of symbology and circles are often used in Christian art to speak about never ending eternal squares are used for speaking about earth here now present moment so the man is reaching his limbs out to both of these shapes and there's like a, there's a symbolic meaning behind that as well and if I ask people to look at this image and see where he's touching the circle and the trace to find the center on his body where he touches the circle and that ends up being his belly button. And then I asked that uh, you do the same for where he's touching the square. And the center of that actually becomes, er, is the genitals. And then I say, well, what do these two things have in common? Again, rec recognizing the circle speaks of eternal, where we've come from, where we're going. Square is earthbound here now. And what is the center of the two? Very center, the main purpose that's written on our bodies. So the two things, the things that these two have in common, the belly button and, and the genitals are communion and life. So we come into this world literally attached to our mothers in communion. And the genitals are used to bear life, to enter into communion with another. So both are speaking about communion and life. Our body, so as man and woman, it speaks about communion and life. Now, of course, not everyone is called towards marriage, so that physical communion isn't necessarily um, the only way to enter into it. Like we are called to enter into communion with the Lord ultimately, and that um, can be done through service towards others and loving the body of Christ in, in a different way. And there's a call to communion is ultimately what beauty is speaking about. 
And that is why it's important for us to recognize the feminine and the masculine and how that plays a part in that. Um, and, and that's not to put us in boxes. I know we're particularly in a sensitive day and age of like recognizing what does man, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? And um, it's important to realize there's a lot of freedom in that in regards to we're not boxed into as a, that what that looks like, but we also shouldn't be afraid to say this is feminine and this is masculine. Yeah. Um, um, there's freedom as to be able to learn from each other because I need to learn from a man certain aspects and, and a man needs to learn from a woman certain aspects in order to enter deeper into communion. Like that's how it works. Um, and that's expresses more of the Trinity again. And this is where life can come, you know? So it's all intertwining. Um, and I just, I just see that beauty helps us enter into that truth more. Um, and, and theology, the body is all about expressing um, the aspect of, you know, there's intentionality behind all that God created. Like God is speaking to us a love song. Are we paying attention? Are we seeing it? And it's written on our hearts. Like we truly, again, go back to the word ache. We, we long for that communion and the evil one wants to hide it from us, wants us to be um, confused and to go in a different direction. So we see that in our culture today by, again, the counterfeits, um, creating like barriers where we're unable to see the beauty before us. Um, and yeah, did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Good. Okay. It's such a painful, we're in such a painful space in the culture at the moment. You know, a part of what I'm thinking about at the moment with what you just said, Kate, is that there's barriers to be able to see beauty, but I think there's also fear to see beauty too. Like that there may even be moments where we recognize that actually that's beautiful, but we're so afraid of what that might mean that we don't want to go there. Right. Right. And I, I think the first step for all of us, because I think if we're all really honest, there's probably a corner of our heart that is afraid. And the first step is to um, just be vulnerable before God yes. and um, ask him to reveal how he sees us yes. and to let his gaze melt our heart. That encounter will transform everything. That encounter with true beauty himself is what is needed. Mm. Yeah. Amen. I like it. Mm. I'll sort of going from the, off the back of that, um, some people will listen to this interview or watch it and say, yeah, but I'm not an artist. I can't draw. I can't paint. I'm not a musician or a dancer. Uh, so how am I called to encounter beauty to be an artist? And can I say, Mrs. Dunlop, my old art teacher, if you happen to be watching or listening, I never improved. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I'm not an artist, I'm not a musician or any of that. Uh, but, uh, so, so for those of us that, that struggle to actually, um, express it in what would be considered a, a I guess a traditional artistic fashion, um, how are we called to be an artist? Well, I, there are particular people that are, that have a vocation to art, but we all have an aspect of taking part in, in 
creating. So we are made in the image of God and God is a creator. And we all can partake in creating in our lives in some way. And that can look different for each person. So yeah, I create actual paintings. My husband creates music, like he's a musician. But so the person that might be saying, well, I don't have any of those particular gifts. You do have another gift that the Lord has given you. Um, Maybe it's in cultivating uh, a spirit of hospitality in your home to invite guests in and you're creating beautiful meals or even if they're simple, you know, you're inviting them into love and into the beauty of family. That's one way of creating with the Lord. Um, you know, it, again, it could be in nature. Maybe you love to garden and cultivating a beautiful space to, to go out to and to sit and enjoy a chat or a meal together. These are all ways that are simple, but we're partaking in the act of creating with God. And, um, you know, I, I think it's JP2 even says that we're called to be, uh, the direct quote is something around, we're called to um, make of our life, like a work of art, if you will. So this is my summary of it. Yes. But JP2 speaks about how we are partakers in our life. Like it's not just, God's not just dictating things. We're not just trying to figure out what's the list of what I'm supposed to check off and do in my life. And we are, it's a dance, if you will. Um, I love thinking of it that way. I'm also a dancer. So I've had time where I had to um, do partner work with others. And it's a lot of, um, it's not that one person just throws the other person around. You're, you have to be attentive to the other's needs and you follow and you lead and it's a give and a take and this is what it's like to be with the lord and um knowing that it means that we have an involvement with our life and god cares about what we think and desire as well so it goes it goes both ways so um yeah in a you know in a way we are all called to be artists of our own life with that relationship with the Lord, not separate from him, because again, that could be dangerous in the sense of I'll make my own life and I don't need the Lord. No, it's, it's an invitation to do that with him in communion. I guess a follow-up from there, Kate, is really sometimes when we can think about, okay, well, if I'm called to create, to co-create with God, then, and I look at the way beauty is portrayed in some ways through the world, it can seem really daunting um, and really expensive even to try and create mm. beauty around me. What might be some ways that we can start to think about how we can invite beauty, more more beauty, uh, like into our, one, into our relationship with God first and foremost to begin there, but also in the expression of how we live out our lives in the environment around us, um, how we choose to live that life. Like where can we begin to, to think I mean, about beauty in that way. Yeah. Well, making time for it, knowing that I think a lot of us see beauty as an extra when I have the time, when I have the money. But if we recognize that it has a direct impact to uh, the cultivating of our character, the very growth of our spiritual life, we can see that it needs to be a priority, not just uh, when I have the time or money. And if we know that, I think um, I think we actually feel better at spending money at times. You know, that's not to say that there are you know art often is more expensive, but it doesn't have to be. You know, there are 
encounters with beauty and nature that are completely free. Um, there are encounters where you can go to a beautiful church that are meant for all of us to go and sit in and pray and experience the Lord there. Um, metaphysical beauty, the encounter with God, like that is an invitation at every moment that we are welcomed into and that's free. <laughs> so there are a lot of quote unquote free opportunities yeah. for us. Um, but to, I also invite people to not be afraid of investing in beauty, which might require, um, you know, paying some money, whether it's to go to a ballet, go to an opera, um, you know, invest in a beautiful painting or sculpture, all these different ways, knowing that it directly impacts the, the betterment of your character, as well as those that encounter it, uh, whether it be your family, friends who look upon it, um, it also can be an invitation for evangelization. Um, so if you bring art into your home, that sacred art particularly, you you kind of open the door to conversations that may have not happened. So someone will come in and be like, wow, I, I never seen an artwork like that. Can you tell me about it? Or it, it just opens that door. Um, but also beauty itself is a bit unarming. So it, it kind of, it pierces hearts. It kind of cuts through all the barriers. So it has an ability that sometimes just conversation doesn't enable and being surrounded by that is, is very good. And sharing that with others is very good because again, it kind of cuts through all the relativism of our culture or whatever wounds might be going on. And it just kind of goes there. Like we, a lot of times, if everyone can think of moments of beauty, you're going to think of a moment where you're like, wow, like it just took you, um, yeah. a back and you were in awe, mm. you know, just cut through whatever you're going through in your life in that moment and, and met you in your heart. So, um, yeah. So I just encourage you to not be afraid to invest in it. It is, it is very good, but there are ways to encounter free, free, uh, beauty, if you will. And, um, yeah. Did I answer your full question? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and I guess, you know, to put a bit of a plug for yourself too here, Kate, this is part of what you do is to be able to facilitate um, moments where people can encounter beauty through your own artwork as well, that people will be able to um, purchase either through prints or to be able to make contact with you to create yes. something together. Yeah. So we'll make sure we put some links in um, the show notes as well as in our YouTube clip as well so that people can get in touch yes, with yes. you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I guess that sort of takes us towards the end of this episode. Um, so what we'd like to be able to do is do a quick rapid fire round with our guests to finish off the mm. episode where we just ask you like five or six random questions <laughs> and you just tell okay. us the first thing that comes to mind. Um, all right. But all yeah, right. This is a good so challenge what? for me because I'm a melancholic and I think way too hard about things. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's so your it'll people be, it'll be <laughs> Okay, the very first right. question for you, Kate, is tea or coffee and how do you take it? Tea with honey. Oh. Yeah, my husband and I are not co are not coffee drinkers, so it's quite humorous, actually. Whenever we have guests over, like, do you have coffee? And we're like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, would you like some tea? <laughs> and do you have, like, cupboards of tea? Like, lots of different assortments? Yes. Yeah, perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. What is a seemingly ordinary place that you encounter beauty frequently? 
I like to hike. My husband and I hike a lot and there are, there's a local, um, park. I don't know if it's something you call it a park, but, uh, we, it's three minutes down the road and we go there fairly often. Oh. And there are a lot of beautiful paths that you can just discover something new each time. There's like a little mini waterfall. Um, but we're in the middle of Philly city. So it's just kind of like this hidden gem that you wouldn't guess. Um, but yeah, we, we enjoy going there. It's definitely a gift to have that just around the corner. Mm, absolutely. Cool. Um, what is your favorite quality in your husband? Good question. I think my favorite quality in my husband is his tenderness, which kind of encapsulates in like a lot of areas. Like he's very good at um, yeah, being gentle and which at times is a moment of like, okay, if there's a moment where he has to be, you know, recognize something that maybe he did wrong, he's like gentle and expressing like what he knows maybe he needs to apologize for. And I I feel like I learn a lot through him in that, um, just being able to experience that gentleness, which is going back to what we said about men and women is really beautiful to experience because a lot of times we see men as like harsher and um, rougher per se. And, gentleness is something that we say can only be feminine maybe and um that's wrong (laughs) so i love that i see that in my husband and he um shares that with me so that's beautiful wonderful uh which of your paintings was the most challenging and why great question um so yeshua uh essentially is a christ the king was an image I did over the beginning of the pandemic, really. And that was one of my favorites, but also most challenging because it involved the face of Christ. And, you know, it's, it's a strong, it's really, it's a good challenge to like, okay, like, how do I create you? This is, there was days where I'm like, oh, like, get rid of this, erase this. This is is not you. And, um, and I, I feel like I, I got, close enough, but even it's not enough. And a lot of times we do this to ourselves as artists where it's like, oh, I want more. And that's the desire for heaven, really. Um, so there was a really interesting challenge there of, of letting go and letting the Lord just create through me as best as I, as best as I can um, and letting him actualize that. So. Mm. And what a, um, what a beautiful example of, like a way of thinking of other way, other areas of our lives too. Like how many, how many other areas of our lives do we look at and go, ah, oh, not enough for you, Lord. Like I need, I need to be able to give you more. This isn't not being, yeah, just not being able to give him enough of, of what he deserves right. and then not mm-hmm. being able to move past that stuck point. So it's such a beautiful, beautiful story to be able to recognize. Actually, there's a letting go as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Um, and the last question for you is, if you could speak to one artist, dead or alive, who would it be and what would you talk about? I think I would ask uh, William Bouguereau. He's a French artist and he, oh, I just love how he paints figures. It's just so dreamy. I mean, most people actually, probably, they're probably familiar with him. Um, a very famous uh, Pieta that he created of Our Lady and holding Christ and the angels surrounding them. It's very, um, very, very powerful. And 
he created several, a bunch of other artistic, um, sacred artworks, um, some other ones that are just more ordinary life. But I just love how he he expresses the figure. So I would love to ask him about, yeah, his his technique and what he did to to be able to express it in that way. Even just logistically, I heard that he can do a painting in like eight days, which I have no idea how he did that because it takes me way longer. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I, I fangirl a little bit with him. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> so it'd be cool to meet him and ask him wow. or just observe even what he has done. What was his name? William uh, Bougaro. It's a French name. Uh, do not ask me to spell it. <laughs> I can try no, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Kate. We really appreciate this. I'm, I've enjoyed it. So thanks for having me. Oh, this has been beautiful. Wonderful. Thank you. And God bless you. Yeah. You too. And thanks to everyone who's been watching or listening to the episode today. Make sure you jump over to our Patreon where we'll continue the conversation with Kate today around beauty and her experience of beauty as well. So make sure you jump over and sign up to one of the higher tiers to have access to behind the scenes with our guest. But as always, we will catch you next month. Um, but until then, know of our love and friends. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Living Fullness. We hope that in this episode there was something useful or helpful or something that blessed your life. If that is the case, would you please consider sharing this podcast with someone, perhaps who will bless their lives too. Please also subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review so that others can find the podcast too. And join us over on our social media, Living Fullness on Instagram and Virtue Ministry on Facebook.